Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 71 of Musically Challenge, your heaping help in a music trivia and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and along with me, as always, is Chad Knight. How's it going, everybody? Oh, and hey, we got a guest in the finger quotes we, studio today. We Say do. hello, guest. Hello, guest. If you didn't recognize the voice, that's our buddy Scott, who will be talking with us about a topic which we've already talked about before. In fact, it was with Scott last time, and that's Weird Al. Yeah, yeah. Way back in episode 42, we recorded at Gamehole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. We three teamed up and talked about our favorite L songs. This time, we're going to be doing the same thing with one significant stipulation. We will be only talking about his original songs and will not be touching parodies. I'm sure the folks are going, why you no do parodies? And that's simply because Al is wrapping up his ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour in which he is not doing costume changes, major stage shows, or parodies, but rather his own songs, and singing originals, so I figured that's what we'll talk about. Yep. Now, the three of us have the distinct pleasure of getting to see this upcoming Sunday show in Green Bay, which I'm I'm pumped about, and it's actually the final stop on the entire tour. So either he's going to be really out of it, or he's going to pull out some really cool stuff that nobody else is going to get to see, because it's kind of the grand finale. Or both. Or both, right. (laughs) I'm pretty pumped. I know that Chad's kind of gleaning his fingers here over here, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the whole concept of it. I just hope we don't get an end of tour burnout. Burnout. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got enough energy, though. I have a feeling it's going to be good because he doesn't put on a crappy show. I've seen him multiple times, and he's been. I have. Busy. I have as well. And you're probably right, but that's that's the one. There's fear a little I have. fear in the back of your head. Yeah. That's doing that. Yeah. But the nice thing is, pretty much every venue on this tour is a small venue. Right. Because he wanted, at least according to the website, mm-hmm. he wanted a little more intimate fan experience. Which, and also with the lack of costume changes, I remember I saw him in Florida one time at what used to be called Pleasure Island, and it's now Downtown Disney, and he had a tent on stage to do the costume changes, but even then, all that running back and forth, by the end of the show, he's like walking into the tent and Mm -hmm. walking back out of the tent. Right. I mean, he's a lot older than the first time I saw him. He, He does not look his age. No, he doesn't. Absolutely not. I mean, he's and, aging really well, but it's hard to keep up that high energy. Right. And it was things like when I saw him one time, I mean, middle of the show, he did the fat song. Mm-hmm. So he went in and put the fat suit on. And then he always kind of did an intermission, you know, and that was always before intermission. So it's like you either saw fat at intermission or at the end of the show. Right. Well, now they've got the the Perform This Way song, the Lady Gaga one, where he dresses up as that, um, what is it, a, a peacock. But it's like this big fuzzy suit, and I can only imagine after like an hour-long stage show, he's probably roasting. Oh, yeah. And then having to do that. So, I mean, honestly, he deserves it. I <laughs> so, would agree, yeah. Plus the opening act, I have, I'm really looking forward to, because I think Emo Phillips should be pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Emo Phillips, for people that don't know, he was the shop... Should the shop teacher on the UHF. UHF, and his stand-up is a little bit different than most comedians, but... It's got a certain charm to it. It's got a dryness, like a Stephen Wright type dryness that you got to be ready for. Right, yeah. So, 
All right, well, why don't we do this? We're going to go ahead and we're going to get liquored up because that's what we normally do. Right. We'll do some trivia and then we'll go ahead and kind of go a little brief interview about what Al is and a little history on him. And then we talked about the artist, so we just talked about songs. Yeah, yeah. There's no need in rehashing the artist every song. Oh, my God. This would be like a three-hour episode if that were the case. (laughs) All right, so liquored up. That sounds like a good thing. So we're going to go ahead and... Let Scott introduce this. He brought the beer. Absolutely. Okay, so... Any of you who uh, remember the previous podcast that I was on, I, I mentioned that I'm gluten-free because I have celiac. And so what I've brought this time is Acapella Gluten-Free Pale Ale. I picked it up from Point Brewery in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. and Which is, I, what, 10 minutes from here? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I think we should go on a tour of that place sometime. Oh, I, I, I've done the tour, and it's a nice little tour. Yeah, I haven't yet. Every, every time I've scheduled the tour to go with somebody, something always came up and I had to drop out. My wife has been on the tour several <laughs> times. Usually, like, she went with my dad when he came up and visited one time. She's been with friends of ours. Something always seemed to come up at the last minute that stopped me from going. Well, off the air, the three of us will figure it out. We'll get you there this summer. We'll okay. get you there. We'll go, maybe go golfing or do something else also. Yeah, that. Quite possibly. So before you actually get into this, quick question. Have you had this before? I have not. Good. Because that's kind of what we go for is we try to have something that none of us have had. Right. Yep. Um, sometimes it happens, um, like with the... Uh, well, with our last episode, we did Paps Blue Ribbon. Right. And I think we've all had PBR. Yeah. I mean, we all... Well, most of us enjoy it. But it works with a polka episode. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So we've got this one here, and what, let's... What do we know here? Do so we... is this brewed at point, or you just buy it there? I believe it is their um, gluten-free imprint. Okay. So. So what we got? Let's see. Uh, made from sorghum. That's yep. whatever yeah. the hell sorghum. I'm is. looking for the sorghum percentage, and I'm not. Water, sorghum, hops, and yeast. Yeah, I don't see what A percentage. percentage it is. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's crack this thing open right. and uh, see what we got. So just um, if you don't know, we do a thumbs up, a thumbs down, and a bar. So. You Good, bad, or indifference. All right. It's got a bit of a rough aftertaste. That's the sorghum. Mm. It it's, it's hoppy. Yeah. It's very hoppy. I, I mean, it is an ale. It's pale. Mm-hmm. It's it's bound to be hoppy, but... It's not, not quite as sharp as some of the India pale ales that no, I had before correct. I found out I had celiac. You know, and I expected this... I'm not going to lie. I expected this to be awful. And this is not really that bad. I'm not sure I would go out and actually drink it a lot because there are other beers that I know I like better. Mm-hmm. But and you're not restricted. I'm not restricted. I mean, but if I was at like if you if this is all you had, I would not feel bad about drinking it. Not yeah. only because it's free, but also because, <laughs> because it's not a terrible beer. Because everybody that listens to the podcast know that Lou's favorite beer is free. Pretty much. Yeah. There are very few beers that are free that are bad. Yeah, yep. that's true. So so we I. Give- I I find it to be very, and I'm sitting here, and it's like I want to chew on the side of my tongues because it's very got that hoppy, bitter back end, and it, it just sits like there. The, like the yeast, too. The little back end. Could of be yeast. the yeast, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I'm not stoked about this, but like you said, if it was offered to me, I wouldn't turn it down. Which it was, and you didn't. Right. Now, Scott, you're the, you're the celiac guy. You also used to drink. Guinness. Guinness. I was a, a Speaking stout of chewy importer. beers? Yeah. Yes. I, I was very much a, a stout importer guy, and that's been one of my big issues ever since I had to go gluten-free, is that 
there are the ciders, there are some of these ales and pilsners. No one's found a way to come out with a stout or porter that's gluten-free. I think just because of the level of wheat and barley and everything that had to go into it to make it a stout or a porter. Okay, so <coughs> let's do it. Let's uh, go ahead and... All right, so what do we think? I'm going to go... I'm going to go bar. Scott? I'm actually going to go thumbs up. And I'm going to be a bar as well. Okay. So, like I said, it's not, I mean, I can't say I've had other, this is the first probably gluten-free beer I've ever had. I mean, I've had plenty of ciders because ciders right. are actually pretty damn good. Yeah. Especially on a day like today. I mean, what, 95 outside right now? Yeah. And that pear cider we had the one time that you found, not the pear cider I found. The mm-hmm. one I found was good, but the one you found was amazing. Oh yeah. That stuff was, the Crispin was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And the pineapple the pineapple that we had on our last word mm. podcast that was really the, good the too. ace that was good yep. i had a different pineapple the cider boys makes a pineapple which is pretty good too all right so all right so we've got that now we're going to get into the spot that chad loves to hate <laughs> and we'll actually we'll actually open this up to you too as well do i get the points if he gets it right you know what i'm feeling generous so if either one of you gets it right you get the points for it. Nice. Or we'll give you the points, so your score was going to be like next time you record with us, which will probably what game game hole again? Probably. Yeah, right. we'll probably do something at game hole, right, and then so, I can laugh at Chad because he didn't get that. <laughs> so what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the question, and then I will think about what your answer will be, and then we'll reveal it at the end. So okay. don't answer right away, and if you know, and he has a quizzical look, definitely don't answer right away because then it just makes it funnier. For someone. <laughs> yes, for us. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> So, who gave Al the nickname Weird Al? Oh, I think I know that. I have a hunch. Okay, so, and it's real short, easy question. I can repeat it. Again, who gave it? Who gave him the, the nickname? So, that is the question that we'll go through. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and talk about Al for a minute, just so we get that out of the way. All right, and you like to hear yourself talk, so have yeah, at it, my friend. Because I am so used to listening to you, it's about time that I get to talk. Oh, so, Alfred Matthew Yankovic has been giving us good music, which is hilarious, since 1979. He met fellow funny man and mentor Barry, Dr. Demento Hansen, when Hansen came to speak at his school, which would have been freaking awesome. He gave him a homemade tape of parodies that Hansen played on the air, officially starting his career. He released an EP as Alfred Yankovic during his sophomore year in college, but it wasn't until right after his senior year, in 1979, when he, to, excuse me, when he recorded his first mainstream parody, My Bologna which was a play on the next My Sharona. Right. Yep. Dr. Demento and the Dementites loved it so much, and that was the beginning of the rise of his com- comedy career. Since his inception, he's done pretty much everything. He's done physical and voice acting. He had his own short-lived yet pretty hilarious TV show. He has two best-selling books. He's directed his own and other artists' music videos, which, like Hanson and the Black Crows, which was very surprising to me. And he's very active and hilarious on Twitter. Some of his tweets are pretty epic. Okay. Now, there was a large push for him to be in the half, halftime show in 2015, but they chose Katy Perry instead. He is That gonna, was a mistake. He is going to be getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this year. Oh, nice. Awesome. And per the website, it says it'll happen sometime in 2018. We'll definitely keep you posted. Okay. okay. He's released 14 studio albums, nine of which have gone gold or better with the RIAA. The records have spawned 46 singles, 15 of which have charted, and he's won four Grammys. Uh, let's see here. It doesn't look like he's going to be slowing it down anytime soon. Cool. So now they're not. Oh gosh. I, yeah, at least for another week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if this is the farewell and he says, okay, you guys got to see my last performance. Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and let Scott start this off because he is the guest. 
All right. Well, the first one that I picked is Everything You Know Is Wrong. And I love the tune, but also as uh, listeners to our other podcasts know, I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so just the, the whole concept of that being in education, it just amuses me to no end. So let's give a, a listen to a little bit of that. So is, is, there, is there a specific reason being a teacher that you like this song? Is there something about it, like some pentameter or some, something that I'm using words that I don't know what they mean? I was yes, going to say, are you, sound just, good. Are, ah. you just, are you just lacing words together there? Isn't that what sentences are? Okay, are you lacing words that you don't know the meaning of together? I can't define them, but I kind of know what they mean. How about that? Okay, fair enough. Okay. I'd love to say yes, there's a, a deep and hidden structural meaning <laughs> that I apply, but no. <laughs> it's basic because... I'm not a music teacher. I love music. I'm trying to teach myself guitar, but I I can't talk about like beat and rhythm except it's kind of like pornography. I know what it is. I know what I like. So fair enough. But All right. no, with with the everything you know is wrong. It's when I I have a student who is trying to explain something to me and. I can tell that they haven't done their homework, haven't read the material. They're trying to bullshit you. Exactly. And it's just like, no. <laughs> and, and every so often I'll have a student that I'll make a special effort and I'll bring in a little toy beach shovel to have on hand for them. And I'll let them go off on this little tangent and then I'll just hand them the shovel and they'll say, what's that for? And I said, well, you're slinging so much BS, I thought a shovel might help. <laughs> so nice. You actually let them do it for a while before you shut them down. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That is funny. Now, this song for me, I, I find it to be a song about how things we find to be really important really aren't. I mean, when you break down its components, life is really, it becomes a hierarchy of food, shelter, money, and sex. I mean, really, that's that's the basics. Um, Thank you, Dr. Maslow. There you go. <laughs> Everything else is really made important by us, by what we make important. It's just my two cents. It's a great song. I, I think it's a lot of fun. But, you know, since we have less to talk about, I find this to be what the song is really about. I mean, it's just about things that are important that really aren't. It's like kind of like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. Yeah. So that's kind of what the song is. It's like a song about something but nothing at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this one, like Albuquerque, is another story song that's completely disjointed and horribly random, which is why it's so successful and it works. It's entertaining. It's really quick. It's a really short song. But I guess for those who have really bad attention spans and are waiting for the next parody, it's perfect. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. no, it's it's a good song. I enjoyed it. Um, I think this one came off of Bad Hair Day, which is the one that where he's dressed kind of like Coolio. Yes, with and, Amish Paradise. Yep. Which is a great parody. Yes. We're, 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 yeah, get, whatever it went in with the story in the background and everything else. But no, it was actually a pretty decent album. I remember I bought that one when I was out in Washington because I was in a record store. I was out of Camelot Music, actually. Okay. And I'm looking through the records because I was bored or the CDs because I was bored. I'm like, holy crap, we'd all put on a new one. Yoink. And there it was. Nice. So why don't you go with the next one? All right. So clockwise. Yeah, that works for me. All right. So I did Velvet Elvis from Even Worse. 
So the beginning of the song is really familiar. It almost feels like a police song. So it's like in a style of the police, but it's not a parody of the police. It's a song about finding a Velvet Elvis at a swap meet. I mean, everybody knows what a Velvet Elvis is. It's a portrait of Elvis, usually the thin Elvis, usually in some, you know, rhinestone jumpsuit of some kind. And it's it's done on black velvet. It's almost blacklight usually. Isn't that how they usually do those? Or is that the tiger pictures on velvet? That's usually the tiger <laughs> ones, yeah. But So the song talks about how obsessed people can be with collecting things. You know, artists, in this case Elvis, and obsessed in obsession in general. I really like the song because a lot, of, like a lot of L songs, it makes me laugh. Not a big belly laugh, but one of those deeper laughs. You know, that kind of, <laughs> kind of, you know, that kind of thing. The, uh, chortle, I guess, you know. As a collector, I can get the sense of what Al is driving at in this song. In fact, I think all of us as collectors kind of get that whole feeling of, you know, it might not be Velvet Elvis's for us, but we all collect something that we're kind of, you know, into. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What do you guys think, Lou? Velvet Elvis for me, the song... Wait, stop. We need to listen to it. Okay. Check out those sideburns, there's nothing greater. You can tell that he's no Velvet Elvis imitator. So much, much like the album this is set to parody, uh, which is Michael Jackson's Bad, the whole album is good. Velvet Elvis is an underappreciated gem. You have to have that piece of kitsch. You really do. I mean, you're exactly right. You know, everybody has their collections, you know, be it books, be it um, board games, be it, you know, video DVDs, games, DVDs, Ooh, whatever. DVDs. Really? We're going to start throwing stones, are we? No, I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying, you are a DVD collector. I am. Uh, that and, you know, I cut down a lot, though, but that's still a lot more than the average person. We'll put it that way. So don't rob me. But um, <laughs> his address is. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's a good song. Again, it, it is underappreciated. If you really go in and listen to it, I don't look for meanings, but you can kind of you can just picture the scene. That's what I love about this song and about a lot of his is that he goes into such good detail you can tell exactly the mind frame of what's going on, and it just works so well. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Scott? Well, with this one, and largely with his originals, I love them because they give us not just a a window into, like you said, he's really good at painting a word picture with it and letting the listener visualize the scene. But it really strikes at me because it shows his creative genius. With the parodies, a lot of people do parodies, and a lot of the knock-on parodies is that, well, the music's already written, you just got to tweak a few of the words, mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal. But these li- the little original bits that he threads in the album in between the parodies, you just, the first time I heard some of his original stuff, I just sat back and went, whoa, there's a lot going on there. It's He's... not just a comedy guy. There's more to him than you originally thought. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Lou, what do you got? My first one that I have is the truck driving song, which was off of 1999's Running With Scissors, which is, I think that's the first one where he had his laser vision surgery. So he okay. didn't actually have glasses. He um, shaved his mustache. So he had the long permed hair and no glasses, which at first I didn't even know it was him. I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh, oh it's Weird Al. 
Yeah, the cover of that album, he's got the the hair flowing behind him. He's on a track. He's mm-hmm. in the like the Olympic style track mm-hmm. uniform with scissors, the, of with course. scissors in each hand. Yeah. And again, too, I got that one at at um, Weeby CDs when it was still on Scott Street. Oh, okay. So that was quite a way a ways back. And again, I didn't even know it was his, but I got to listen to it ahead of time because of the neat listening stations. That was before iTunes, of course. Right. So, Truck Driving Song is an Al original that doesn't really parry one song, but it does riff on a style, and that's the, the Truck Driving Country songs, which I think we talked about some of those before. Yeah. And one of them that comes to mind was Teddy Bear by Red Sunwine, oh. which we already talked about, or that Convoy. That song is so sad, though. It is. Or Convoy. Which is more fun. Right. And I have to say, when I was writing this up, Convoy came on the iPod, and I laughed out loud, and everybody at work looked at me weird. <laughs> so, I didn't care, but either way. So the song is about a truck driver who is going pedal to the metal, driving down the highway, and then out of nowhere it throws a curveball with my high heels on. It's like, wait, hold on a second. Wait, what? It's almost more you're like, did you hear this wrong? Right. And then you keep listening, and he talks about, you know, again, going into this, and then more tropes, and then he's waiting for his nails to dry and checking his lipstick in the rearview mirror. It's like, no, I did not hear this song, and oh, my God. Can you just imagine, like, you're driving down, like, 51 or whatever, and you look over and you see what's being pictured in this one, and you're like, I'm going to kind of pass you now. and just... Like a truck driver in a pink chevron, mm-hmm. uh, halter top, and it's not a girl! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that it's a really, really homely girl. Well... <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and take a quick listen to this one, and then we'll go from there. Smoke is on my tail and my accelerator stuck. Got these 18 wheels a-rollin' until the break of dawn. Driving a truck with my high heels on. So the song is funny because, as it mentioned, it throws the listener for a loop, and it changes up what was to be expected, which Al does that all the time. It's like you expect one thing, and then, nope, you're wrong. Right. This reminded me a lot of the Lumberjack song from Monty Python. I was going to say that, yep. Because it goes into, you know, I'm this big badass Lumberjack, and then he talks about pressing flowers and right. suspendies in a bra. So it's just a great classic song. It would not surprise me if he took some inspiration from Monty Python for this and just made it his own because it is similar in the type, mm-hmm. but it's still just a great classic. For yeah, me. I agree. So what do you think, Scott? Totally the Monty Python, uh, the Lumberjack song, first thing that popped into my head when I heard it. Yeah, so I thought it was funny as hell. I mean, the way he just reveals everything as the country-style song progresses. And he's got that deep, growly voice mm-hmm, that right. he sings it in. Like the C.W. McCall, like, just... Yeah. It's a yeah. great song. It just makes me laugh. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it. The, sand, the song stands on its own. So why don't we jump into Scott's next one? All right. All right. So... My next one up is from UHF, and it's Attack of the Radioactive Hamsters from a Planet Near Mars. So why don't we start with listening to it, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Okay. This one to me is just, it's really fun. It's got that old school, like classic 50s, 60s, sci-fi background music going. And you can you can almost imagine this being a Twilight Zone episode or something. You can imagine Rod Serling doing a voiceover to it. What do you guys think? Well, you know, for me, 
I love UHF, but I've never heard this song before. Now, I don't know if it's used in the movie at all. No, because actually the title of the album is UHF, Original Motion Picture Soundtrack and Other Stuff. Okay, so I was trying to figure out where it might be in the song, and the only thing I could come up with is it might have been playing in the background when we were introduced to Milo, the scientist alien mm, guy. Okay, yeah. But obviously probably not, as you're saying here, but it's a simple song about an alien attack on Earth by these radioactive hamsters. It reminds me musically of like a meatloaf song, but it's not it's not the best Al song I've ever heard. It's a lot of fun though. You're right. It is a fun song and I'm going to say this, I'm not going to lie, if this were made into a movie, I would absolutely watch this in a heartbeat. And this would be a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie that they would Oh yeah. Absolutely. And it would be great if they did. So, it's it's a good song. It's it is one I'll be honest, I do kind of skip sometimes if I'm listening to the album. But it's still a good song nonetheless. It just isn't as strong as the other ones in my opinion. Okay. So I'm going to go next with Good Old Days from Even Worse. Now, it's a song of reminiscing and the music lets you know that before he even starts singing. I mean, it's one of those songs where you're like, oh, this is going to be one of those touchy-feely songs. You know, this is going to be something that he's going to talk about something that happened in the past. And it might be because I know the song so well, but that's just kind of the feeling I get about it. It's just a song about thinking back and hoping for the good old days to return. Of course, the song has its very own Al twist about thinking about how he used to torture rats in the basement and <laughs> burning down and killing an old shopkeeper, burning down a shop and then killing them. It's just a play on, or on songs that are all about reminiscing. It's just really solid good humor. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Then I tied her to a chair and I shaved off all her hair And I left her in the desert all alone Well, sometimes in my dreams I can still hear the screams Oh, I wonder if she ever made it home I tell you, those were the good old days Now, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a whole lot more to say about it Except listen to it. This is one of those songs that everybody should hear at least once. Okay. Lou? You know, and you mentioned before, this one's also off of Even Worse, which so is your Velvet Elvis. Correct. I liked this one better than wow. Velvet Elvis, Elvis, if I had to say. It just makes me think of all those when I was your age stories that we would get, when when actually as an adult I realized some of them were actually true, just you embellished know, on. It's the funniest thing that you bring that up, because my youngest daughter, whenever I say the words, now when I was a kid... If her eyes roll back any further, they're just going to flip around. <laughs> it's like a slot machine. Yeah, it's just like I'm waiting for the day where she just rolls her eyes back and they come out from the bottom, you know? Did you do like that Undertaker thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just – it's funny though that um, she hates that phrase. Well, you know, I, we didn't care for it either. I'm sure you Probably were, not. No, because usually it led to a story that we thought was bullshit and <laughs> – but now it's Well, like, Scott starts a lot of his stories that way. Back well, in my day. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's because we didn't have things like music back when I was a kid. All you had was a dirt and stick, and you were happy to have it. Like yeah. a hula hoop and a stick. and <laughs> No, I mean, we were just starting to bang rocks together back then. I mean, we didn't have any just of this start the fires or what? No, that's how they started heavy metal. <laughs> or rock and roll. Oh, yep. God. It just makes me think of History of the World Part 1. Yep. When he slams it on the guy's foot for the high tones. Yeah. Now... I have to say that I'm sure, not sure about you guys, but I'm sure you'll agree that I have found myself doing this when I was your age. All times. the time. I don't have kids, but I've still done that for some of my younger coworkers who are like 18, 19 years old, who like, what's a tape player? You know, you can just shut your mouth right now or something to that effect. <laughs> when I was and a kid, tapes were so much better than 8-tracks. What's an 8-track? <laughs> 
it came out after vinyl. What's vinyl? God! It's, it's actually, a, some kids are rediscovering vinyl. Yeah, vinyl is making it, a it's, comeback. It's, yeah, but either way, I mean, it's a vicious circle. It really is. That being said, it's a good song. I like, like I said, I like it better than the Velvet Elvis one. What do you think, Scott? I, I like it. I like that twist on the whole nostalgia bit. Mm-hmm. So that's all Scott has to say. Obviously, he's a man. He's an English teacher, but he's a man of few words sometimes. Well, <laughs> I went third, and you guys waxed very poetic and very long. Did you hear that? It. We waxed something. Well, here's the good news. My next song, you get to talk first about it. So okay, you get to wax well after all. you. So he talks second about it. Well, yeah. So you get to whack all over it. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm repeating one of my songs. And that's loser. Whatever. <laughs> it's Hardware Store from 2003's Poodle Hat. Now, it is an Al original that doesn't parody any style or any specific pastiche, anything like that. I've listened to pretty much everything Al has done, and this one is my honest to God favorite Weird Al song. I can't explain why. It could be the little rapid pace thing of all the items at the store that they have. I don't know. It's just, it, I'm repeating it because I enjoyed that song that much nothing's going on it's just a boring day in town and then all of a sudden they're they build a lowe's or a home depot or a fleet farm and he's in cloud nine yep yeah i suppose if you're in a small town you got nothing better going on why not right that's yeah it's just it's such a great song it's there's the rapid fire and again too if you listen to all the different things he talks about i almost guarantee you with the exception of a few items in there you could probably go to any one of your mass stores and find that kind of stuff oh yeah and the fact that, I guess, I was reading, he got this done in one take. Really? The, 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 the fast part? Yes, he got that done in one take. And I mean, like, I can barely say my name and address without having to take a breath. So I don't know how the hell he did all this. Because he's a vegan. He's a professional. <laughs> he's a vegan and he's this big. Well, this is true. He's a vegetarian. I don't think he's vegan, though. Oh, so he eats cheese. Gotcha. I think so. But, all right, so why don't we go ahead and take a quick lesson, then we're going to throw it over to Scott to see what he has to say. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> I think it's a good song. No, I I actually really like this song as well. I won't go so far as you as to say it's my all-time favorite. But one of the things that I always think about when I listen to it is how many times I've run to one of those big box hardware retailers for one thing. I only needed one thing. <laughs> and $200 and, later. And three hours later, I'm getting a call or a text from my wife saying, where are you? I'm waiting for you to come back with this one thing. And I say, well, I found this and this and this and this and this and this. That's like I, the Target joke, though. I mean, they do memes of that on Target. Like, I went in for a cup of ice cream and came home with $300 later. Walmart. I yeah. cannot oh get out God. of Walmart without spending 50 bucks minimum. Unless I have a specific list. If I have a list in my hand, on paper, written down that says, this is what I need, I can focus. But if it's just like, I, I know in my mind what I need, I'm lost. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, for for me, it's time. If I know I have a time crunch, I focus. Otherwise, I start thinking about all these other projects that either I'm in the middle of or that I want to do. Or I see something and I'm like, you know, if I had that, I could do this. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Actually. Buying the yeah. equipment for the imaginary maybe someday 
thing that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. What about you, Chad? So, a man gets overexcited about a new hardware store in town, maintains this exhilaration for months, camps out all night, and then pissed... And, <laughs> Anticipation, anticipation yep. of the grand opening. It is the first in the new store's door, or he's the first in the new store's door, and quickly lists everything the place has to sell, including automatic circumcisors. This song uses a beginning similar to that of Money by Pink Floyd. They're only they're using tools as opposed to coins and cash registers. Mm-hmm. And parts of the song resemble the vocal harmony style of Queen. Now, this is a perfect explanation of the song. Which is why I stole it from somebody else. Yep. I did not write that, but I read that when I was doing research on this, and I went, that sums it up. So, it's a pretty good song. I know, Lou, this is probably your favorite Al song, which you have told us it is. And it's good. It's just not that good. It's, well, that's fine. I was disappointed to find out he's not going to be doing this live. But then again, as much if. As many ways as there are to mess this one up, mm-hmm. I would, I personally would rather have him not risk it than to hear the song and have it messed up. Yes, agreed. Yeah. All right, so Scott, what do you got next? Okay, I'm going to follow Lou's example and take a repeat from our previous Weird Al episode, but not one of mine. I'm actually going to repeat one of Lou's because there's just something about the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota that reminds me of... The movie or TV show Family Vacation, the family road trip, going to all these really weird places of interest. Now, I, I know you, Chad, you're into history. You do. So you go to Civil War battlefields, mm-hmm. things like that. Yep. Um, me coming from the East Coast, coming from Boston, I like going to the coast, ocean related areas, shipwreck things like that. And I never did any of those road trips as a kid where you go to these little kitschy places. But hearing Al sing about it, it just sounds like an awful lot of fun. So let's give a quick listen, and then we'll get your guys' opinion. I put in a Slim Whitman tape, my wife put on a brand new hairnet. Kids were in the backseat, jumping up and down, yelling, are we there yet? And all of us were joined together in one car. Thought as we roll down the long and winding interstate and off 53 to soda. We're gonna see the biggest bottle of twine in Minnesota. We're heading for the biggest bottle of twine in Minnesota. So now granted, there are so many ways that that road trip can go wrong and probably will. And anyone who's seen any of National Lampoon's vacation <laughs> movies knows what some of those are. But, Chad, what do you think? I hate this song. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's a play on the music of Gordon Lightfoot. Yep. It just annoys me. The music, the lyrics, everything about this song just makes me shudder. Now, see, I love Lightfoot. I I do, too. Edmund Fitzgerald, Carefree Highway, Sundown. And I'm not not dissing Gordon Lightfoot here. In this case, I'm dissing Weird Al. (gasps) I know, but I do not like this song. I never have. When Lou talked about it on the last episode, I think I bashed it there as well. I'll just pass on it. I just, I don't have anything good to say. And my mother always told me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We're so in episode 71 and he's finally taking that advice. So <laughs> I've already failed at that, but I'm going to pass <laughs> yeah. it to Lou. So 
as we already know, I enjoy this one. I talked about this one last time, as it is one of my favorite songs of his. I'd say top ten. It's a unique road trip. The family goes to the tourist traps. It's a folksy-style song. You mentioned Gordon Lightfoot, which Edmund Fitzgerald is a great song as well. There really is a biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. It's in Darwin, Minnesota, about an hour and a half west of Minneapolis. There really was a twine ball inn. It was a restaurant, not a motel, and it has since closed. And apparently the town created postcards saying, Greetings from the twine ball. Wish you were here, based on the Al song. They didn't have those beforehand. Okay. Which, it's kind of cool. I mean, just that art imitates life. Yep. So. And shows the effect that Al has had on popular culture throughout his career. Exactly. So. It's just too bad that it's a bad, bad song that did it. I think there's two out of three disagrees on that one, but we're going to move on to the next one. So what is your next one? My next one is Frank's 2,000-inch TV from Alapalooza. So it's a song of jealousy, not for a person, but an item. And that's right, Frank's 2,000-inch TV. But let's take this into perspective. A drive-in screen is usually 480 inches which is 40 feet. So I didn't do the math to how many feet 2,000 inches is. A lot. But it's huge. Well, we all have smartphones, so why don't we go ahead and do that while you're talking. I'll do the math. So that makes Frank's TV obnoxiously large. I, I like a nice big TV. 167 feet. Yeah, it's insane. I like a nice big TV, but this song talks of excess and jealousy. That said, I love the song. It's It's really funny. Why don't we go ahead and take a listen to it? And all that said, I want to see a 2,000-inch TV. I don't know where they'd put it, but I want to see it. Lou? So, Alapalooza was probably one of my lower albums on my list. It was not bad, but it That's was... That's the one that looks like Jurassic Park? Yes. Okay. It wasn't great. Um, wasn't really critically acclaimed. The song is okay. I do skip this one rather often. It's a pastiche on early R.E.M., which could be why I didn't care for it, because early R.E.M. was terrible. It's an okay song. I feel kind of... I mean, I'm not going to say it was a terrible song, but it just doesn't do it for me. Fair it's enough. A, it's a skippable song. So, 167 feet. Just shy of 56 yards. So we're talking a, just about half a football field if you go end zone to end zone. Plus a little bit. Yeah. So, bigger than the screens on the Jumbotron at Jerry World in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, no, he's probably pissed because he needs to, he's like, oh, there's somebody else has a TV bigger than mine. Yep. <laughs> what do you think of the song, though? He doesn't have to pay all that money for Des Bryant anymore, so I suppose he could probably put a new TV in it. Yeah, there you go. True enough. <laughs> um, I think I got to go with Lou on this one. I, I like the song, but I think it's more a case of I really like practically everything Weird Al has done. Mm-hmm. But this is probably in my my bottom tier of stuff. So if I'm building a Weird Al playlist... It's Scott getting back after me, at me, because I told him I didn't like the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. It has nothing to do I with know. vengeance. I know, I know. Yeah, All right. The song is about envy, not vengeance. That's true. So. It's a different deadly sin, isn't it? 
Yes. Uh, actually, no. Vengeance isn't. One no, of it's them. not. It's no. not. But no. I, haven't, I haven't committed any of them, so I, I wouldn't know. I was waiting for you to start laughing, and you didn't already, which scares me. <laughs> I'm in utter shock over here that those words came out of your mouth in that form. What actually, form I'm just surprised that you know enough about them to make a comment about them. <laughs> I was raised religious. All right, Lou, what do you got next? All right, so I have This Is a Life from 1985's Dare to be Stupid. Uh, this Is a Life is a Rick Derringer um, produced Weird Al original song, and it was the same Rick Derringer who gave us Rock and Roll Hoochie and Real American for Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It was originally written and produced as a single in 1984 as the theme song for the Michael Keaton gangster comedy Johnny Dangerously, which is a very underrated movie. So underrated. Exactly. I love so that funny. movie. Um, it wasn't featured on the home video release in favor of Cole Porter's Let's Misbehave. Uh, when the DVDs came around in 2002, Al was put back in with the movie. The song talks about someone who's rolling in dough, not literally, of course, but with Al you could never tell, and lives the incredibly lavish and sweet-ass lifestyle. The movie, as well as the song, is uses the Roaring Twenties time frame as the backdrop and takes on a swing-jazz fusion for the song, which just works swimmingly. It just works great. The music video features a whole bunch of clips from the movie, and it has Al in, like, this pinstripe zoot suit, which is pretty awesome. He's got his back, because it's an older one, it has him with the mustache and the glasses. I just, I enjoy the song. It's, the movie is not, it's not Oscar winning, but it's still up there with Mel Brooks stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, I thought the movie was amazing. I watch it probably a couple times a year. You I know, think the, the biggest problem the movie had was too many people took it seriously. Mm. Right. They didn't realize that it was, in a sense, almost a Weird Al movie of gangster movies. Kind of. It was a parody. Yeah, it was, it was a parody. Like, it was like a scary movie of gangster movies. Right. Almost. Right. Absolutely. So let's just take a quick listen, then we'll finish up on that one. I buy a dozen cars when I'm in the mood. I hire somebody to chew my food. I'm an up and mobile dude. This is a life. So the movie's really funny, um, should be watched at least once. Michael Keaton is a great Batman. He was actually a pretty comic genius in the 80s. Uh, Mr. Mom, Gung Ho, all great movies. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Um, and he's still a great actor. He doesn't do as much comedy as action, which he was actually really good in a lot of the newer ones that have come out. Right. Um, it's This song complements the movie great. And standalone, it's pretty well. It's pretty good as well. So what do you got to think? I love the video. Um, I actually had, and this is going to date me, but I had a VHS copy of a compilation of Weird Al videos. Me too, me was, too, me too. This I was one of the ones. I still have it, actually. On VHS? <laughs> yes. Do you have a VHS player? I, I have three. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I don't have any VHS players anymore, so I got rid of the VHS tapes. Yeah, I, I, do, the same. I do because I have some show, some old shows I want to put on DVD, which is why I asked you about that converter. Right. But it's just a matter of hooking up because I'm I'm concerned that if I mess up the tape, it's gonna ruin the tape, and I have the, that's the only master copy. But I don't want to pay three hundred dollars a disc for it. Right. So, yeah. anyways, go on. So, as you said, the video interweaves clips of the the film, but Al is just so lighthearted in it. I mean, he's throwing handfuls of money up in the air, um, and there there's these two great lines. Um, one is I have a bathtub filled with Perrier 
And then the other one is, it's such a thrill just to be me. Yeah. And that, that sums up the whole piece of it. That care, And as you mentioned, it alludes to the 20s, the roaring 20s. It, it kind of puts me in mind, actually, of Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And there he is. <laughs> There's the English <laughs> There's teacher. There's the English teacher. <laughs> but it it's got that whole narcissistic self-indulgence without a care in the world about it piece to it. Yeah, it's a great song. It's got kind of a swing style feel to it. And, you know, you guys have pretty much covered everything, but I did write that the motto of the song seems to be, if money can't buy happiness, I guess I'll have to rent it. You know? Absolutely. And it's just like, it's about a guy who has just so much money, it doesn't matter what he spends it on. Whatever makes him happy at the moment, I buy it. Yep. Well, yeah. So, Scott, what do you got next? All right. Next up for me is it's kind of like something that I talk to my students about, not using these exact words or perhaps the situations mentioned in the song, but it's Dare to be Stupid. So let's give a quick listen, and then I'll explain a little more why I'm not actually telling people to put their heads in a microwave and give themselves a damn. Because it doesn't work. you got to use an, a regular oven, a gas oven. If you're, if... All right, well, let's listen. Mashed potatoes can be your friends. You can be a coffee achiever. You can sit around the house and watch and leave it the beaver. The future's up to you, so what you gonna do? Data be stupid, data be stupid. Okay, so now, yes... The whole microwave tanning, not such a good idea, but the underlying concept and the, the reason that I think Al is such a genius is that I think he's poking fun at people who are afraid to stretch and try something new. And what I'm always talking to my students about is you're, you're not going to improve at anything unless you try. And I mean, we can throw out all the, the examples, Edison with taking 2000 versions before he got to the incandescent bulb we use now. Um, Ford, when he came out with the Edsel. WD-40. It was the 40th attempt, if I understand, if I remember the history. Correct. Mm -hmm. And from Austin Powers and Goldmember, preparations A through G were not (laughs) successful, but preparation H really pulled it off. (laughs) (laughs) So now, another thing I, I like about this song is musically and it's there's a a combination of tones in it there and in the video you see this it's the guy with in the cowboy suit with the guitar and it's that dun 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 dun, and the the progressive riff and then you get kind of like the the xylophone or marimba going back down the scale and i just like how that sounds Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much in the style of Devo. Oh, absolutely. It is. It is. And in the video, they even dresses up in the Devo-esque. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Now, you know, its song takes all kinds of cliches and makes them hilarious, is really what it does. Mm-hmm. It also delves into things that we have heard about throughout the years of, you know, stupid things that people do, and then they sue somebody and they get away with it. It's like the person who sued McDonald's for, what, a million dollars because she spilled the hot coffee oh, on her? Oh, that old lady, yeah, the hot yeah. coffee thing. And it's like, really? What In what world do you go to a restaurant, order coffee, and expect it not to be hot? You know? But anyway, 
but that aside, it's a great song and is a great one to see Al perform live. I have seen him do it live. I I, I really like this one, and I kind of hope he does this one when we go to the to the uh, concert this weekend because I think even live, even if he does it acoustically, I think it'll work. I agree. I'm I'm kind of tempted to make a playlist of which like make note of which ones he does just to see. Because they've online, they've actually posted what other locations have done. Okay. Because he switches up the songs in every right. place. So I'd be intrigued to see which ones made the cut for Wisconsin and which ones didn't, etc. Now, if he does do this one, I hope they pass out free mashed potatoes. Because after all, mashed potatoes can be your friend. That's true. Oh gosh, that sounds delicious, actually. But <laughs> no, and it's it's a it's an original song. It's considered a pastiche, as we mentioned before, which is an imitation of style because of Devo. You, you're exactly right, and he's made no bones about that. It was so successful, and I think I mentioned this, I, I wanted to mention this before, but I didn't because I cut it last time, that the main guy from Devo, Mark Mothersbaugh, he showed his appreciation in his own Devo way. He stated during a Behind the Music episode on Al, I was in shock. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. He sort of re-sculptured that song into something else, and I hate him for it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the song because of the similarity. Devo is a really unique style of music. Um, and it's just a funny song. I mean, all the different things, you know, like burn your candle at both ends or things like that. It's yep. just, it's just, it works. It's Put all your song. eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Count your Count chickens, chickens before, before they, they hatch. hatch. Right. So what is Chad's next one? Chad's next one is probably the longest song on this episode. So I'm talking about Albuquerque from Running With Scissors. Pain in the ass to spell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, a f- couple of years ago, I had a job in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I learned how to spell it, and it's never left me. Good. It's it's like Albuquerque. Yep. If you yeah, it just it just looks weird. Yeah, it does. So this 11 plus minute song is absolutely hilarious. This running ranting song about a young man who leaves home at the age of 26 and a half years old to go to Albuquerque. Well, actually, he wins a trip, a one way first class ticket to Albuquerque. He, well, he survives a plane cl- crash and many other unfortunate happenings, including getting attacked by weasels, of all things, and having his snorkel stolen by a guy with a flock of seagulls haircut. Oh, that would do it for anybody. I know. It's just rambling. I mean, there is a story behind it, but it jumps everywhere from, you know, being force-fed sauerkraut by his mother to being... <laughs> You know, he falls in love, he gets married, he has two kids, and then his wife wants to join the Columbia Record uh, Record uh, Club, and that's, you know, that's too much commitment, and all this stuff, and in the end, it's it's a big rambling song about his dislike for sauerkraut, you know? Um, it's, it's rambling humor to the nth degree. It, it really is. So, let's go ahead and take a minute to listen to this. Yeah, well, let me tell you, people, it wasn't long at all before my dream came true. Because the very next day, a local radio station had this contest to see who could correctly guess the number of molecules in Leonard Nimoy's butt. I was off by three, but I still won the grand prize. That's right, a first-class one-way ticket to Albuquerque. All right, there's not much more to say about it. What What are your thoughts, Lou? You know, you're right. It is a super long song. This is one of those, I think it's the last track on the album. It is. Yes. Um, on Running With Scissors. 
And, and I read somewhere that it actually is usually longer than the recorded version when he does it live. Yeah, I've yeah. heard about that. It's like Freebird yeah. long. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's a really long song. You have to really commit to it to really understand the genius. Because if you only give it like the normal two minutes, you're not going to really get it. But if you stay in for the whole long haul, it comes to total full circle, and it just proves that he is the master of what he does. Yeah. that's There's really nothing else to say. It's a randomness that somehow tells a story, and it works. Done. I would agree. Yeah, it reminds me of the routines of a, a few particular stand-up comedians where they open their set with this seemingly random fact or so they, or they, thought drop, or... they drop something in and then they go off for 10, 15, 20 minutes and then suddenly you realize that they've come right back to what they started talking about and it was just this massive setup for the punchline. And it still worked because it held your interest. Right. And and the, the comedians call that a throwback. Mm-hmm. You know, but... And that's exactly what this song is. So... And it's got some of these... They're almost stream-of-consciousness throwouts. Like, just, hey, you've got weasels on your face. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it, one of the things that is so genius about it is he goes to a donut shop, you know? And he's like, do you have this kind of donut? And the guy's like, no, we don't have that kind of donut. And they just keep going down this list. And <laughs> yeah. It's like four or five different donuts. And then he's like, you got any bear claws? And the guy's like, wait a minute, I'll go check. And then he comes back on and he's like, no. And then, and then the final thing, he's like, well, if you don't have, what do you have? And he's like, right now all we got is this box of one dozen starving weasels. So it's just little things like that that make this song what it is. I mean, I don't know. I, I suppose we should move on. So... What do you got, Lou? My next one is UHF from 1989's UHF. Pretty love the movie. Oh my God, yes. The Who video- has it on DVD? I did. My wife gave it to a coworker for a Christmas present. I have a signed copy. Oh, okay. You got me beat. I just have a copy. Yeah, I was gonna get it on Blu-ray, but I got my copy signed when I met Weird Al in, in Pennsylvania. See, and that's what I'm wondering is if we're gonna get to meet Weird Al on Sunday. There are upgrades. I don't know if you looked at the website, but no. for like an extra, like anywhere from seventy to two hundred seventy dollars, there's like a meet and greet. Um, no. I went to a book signing at a Barnes and Nobles. That's why I got to meet him. Okay, okay. So it answers the question is whether I should bring anything along that he might sign. It never hurts, but at the same time, I mean, worst case scenario, you're carrying around a CD that you didn't need to. Yeah. So. But that being said, so UHF is the title song that was written for Al's pet project, the 1989 movie of the same name. Al helped write and star in the film as George Newman, a broke dreamer who suddenly, through fate and a poker game, becomes the owner of a small UHF station, U62. George's imagination and willingness to do whatever it takes to succeed gets laughs and leads him and his friend Bob to create off-the-wall shows and movies that the town likes and start watching it more than the Channel 8 VHF station. Which leads to all kinds of problems going down where they have to come up with money, and I'm not going to spoil it, but that's pretty much where it is. All we really got to say is, if you haven't seen the movie... Watch it. Yeah, there we go. Now, it's a Hollywood ending, that much I will tell you, but how it goes Hollywood is really crazy. Now, UHF, the song, uh, the singer talks about there's no need to have a life, just kick back and watch the U, because it has everything you'll ever need. It works really well because for the movie, and I have to say part of it why I picked it is because the video is epic. It mashes so many different styles. He does not only song parodies, but he also nails their videos. He did Guns N' Roses with Welcome to the Jungle, George Michael with Faith, Robert Palmer with Addicted to Love, Prince with When Doves Cry, 
Talking Heads Once a Lifetime, ZZ Top, almost all their videos, Billy Idol with White Wedding, The Beatles in Excess, Bob Dylan, and Randy Newman. Let's go ahead and take a listen. So for me, this is a top song out of, out of his catalog. I mean, it's it's the title song of the CD or album, whatever you want to call it. It's for the movie, which the movie is fantastic. It's really funny. I just really enjoy this song because it just is perfect. So take it away. I really like it because to me, it's almost emblematic of the movie and of the old UHF TV stations. Now, when I was younger... Oh. Throwback, throwback. <laughs> um, I would watch TV and we had the big three and then we had the local UHFs and usually I was watching the UHFs because they had the cartoons and they had the fun shows like the wacky local shows Mm -hmm. and so the song and especially the video for it is just kind of a compressed mashup of the show lineup on those stations which is what he did in the film as well. And probably some nostalgia for you, too. Exactly. Chad, what do you think? So, like like Lou said, it's a theme song for one of the least appreciated movies in history. It's a great movie. It's not an award-winning movie by no. any stretch of the imagination, but it's a great movie if you're into that type of movie. And it's clever. It's yes. not just a schlock, hey, we're doing a bunch of dumb stuff on film. It's right. not like nut shots, or it's not like um, just people falling and getting hit in the face all the time or something like that. I mean, there's actual clever jokes that... Right. There's things that I watch that today that I still am finding out about it. Yeah. Oh, every time I watch it, I see something new, some little tidbit. Um, But, I mean, this is... It's a guy who gets in the UHF channel and makes it profitable. Okay, so it might be far-fetched. Because as everybody knows, UHFs are always asking for money. (laughs) But with shows like Uncle Klutzy's... Uh, Uncle Nutsy's Playhouse, Wheel of Fish, and Gandhi 2. How could you go wrong? Conan the Librarian. Yes, that's another one. (laughs) This book is overdue. Anyway. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal decimal System? system. (laughs) So I love this movie. I love this song. It's all good. I mean, Scott, what do you got next? Okay. I'm going to go back to our uh, previous Weird Al episode. So another throwback for Scott. Yes. But this time I'm going to borrow one of yours. Okay. Okay. And now, granted, it's heading into summer. It's really warm out, so this is kind of not so much apropos for the season. Wouldn't mind some snow right now, actually. <laughs> actually, I was having a chat with my eight-year-old uh, the other day, and she said the seasons are all backwards because we'd love it to be winter when it's so hot out because then it would cool off, and we'd like some warm weather when it's winter because we're freezing. She's right, but either way you look at it, it's yeah. still going to be the wrong time. It's going to be the wrong temperature. Exactly. Um, but it reminds me of this one book I read where someone was arguing that the moon is so much more important than the sun because the moon provides light at night where the sun just does it during the day when it's laid out anyways. <laughs> was this a I blonde, thought you were going to... Was, gonna, this, was thought, this a blonde character or someone who's not known to be very bright? No. 
I thought you were going to be like going to this whole thing about how the moon, you know, reflects the sunlight, the, and does the tide and the whole, you know, the that's effects. That's actually what I was thinking too. Because the moon has more effect on the earth other than heat and, and light than the sun. But I get what you're yeah, going to I have to ask, what book is this? <laughs> I forget it. I read it so long ago that. If you come up with that, I want to know what book this is because I'm it's, just. It's so old, he read it on papyrus. Oh. Ooh. Mm hmm. I wonder if that'll be in the downstairs restricted section. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> All right, so what's the actual song? So my song, for to wrap up my portion of this, is Christmas at Ground Zero. So I just, I love the song. Let's give a quick listen to it, and then I'll fill you in on why I love it so much. It's Christmas at Ground Zero. The Now, as everybody complains about, it seems like the stores and mass merchandising and everything is making Christmas earlier and earlier. I mean, I go into stores where I see them. They've got one crew putting up Halloween stuff while another crew is putting up Christmas stuff. Well, I, I bought um, some Fourth of July fireworks and then put a Christmas stocking. Awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's ridiculous how, how soon in the season that Santa puts his ass in everything. Yep. But... But... The opening of the song, it's that classic Christmas, dun, dun, you get the bells and everything, and you're like, oh no, not a Christmas song, Al, please tell me you didn't do a Christmas song. And then you hear it, and you're like, thank you, Al, for doing a Christmas song. <laughs> so, Chad, I, this was one of yours in our original Weird Al episode, so obviously you like it. Best Christmas song ever. Absolutely. Okay, maybe not, but... I really do like this song. The mixture of the greatest time of the year and nuclear holocaust? Who could ask for anything more? Yes. What else can I ask for? <laughs> Tell me! I don't know. I, 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 that's a rhetorical question. It, I, it really is. But, I mean, it's just one of those songs where the first time you hear it, like Scott said, you hear the bells, you hear the jingle bells, and it's that whole Christmas thing. And then you're like, why is Al wearing a fallout mask? Mm-hmm. You know? It... it and actually, he doesn't appear. This is one of the only videos where Al doesn't appear till the very end. Mm -hmm. yep. It's got a lot of the duck and cover video from the 50s. From the 50s, yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. I always love hilarious. those. I always love those. Because and I talked to my. Your head between your knees while pressed up against a locker will save you from an atom bomb. Right. You know, and I, and I talked to my dad about that because he's old enough. And I said, Did you guys really do this? And he's like, Yeah. And he said, We always made the joke that it was time to get under your desk and kiss your ass goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you talking to your dad about that? I did that in elementary school stuff. <laughs> wow, you are old. I am, yes. <laughs> we never did that. We used to go, I mean, tornado drills. Tornado that drills, kind of yeah. Yep. But we're, they did were never really, like. Did you really have tornado drills over on the East Coast? No, we didn't have tornado they drills. They had fallouts. We, we, we had bomb drills. Well, yeah, I suppose because you're close enough to the capital that they would nuke the East Coast. You yeah. Know, in the Midwest, we just get tornadoes and blizzards. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you, you think about it. You got the, the eastern seaboard. You've got Boston, New York, and D.C. You've got two. You've got a, a port city. You've got the financial capital, and you've got the actual capital. Well, if you keep going a little further, you got Norfolk. That's yeah. a you know, naval, another base. Major naval, naval base. Naval base. So what do you think of the song, though? I love this song. I know you talked about it the first, the first time. It's a very clever one. It's all happy and joyful, and then there's an explosion. Uh, just everything goes tits up from there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song. It is one of my favorite Christmas songs that is not classic because everyone has their classics, White right. Christmas and so on. But of the non-traditional Christmas songs, this is almost the top of the list for me. Um, 
I have to say he's done a couple other Christmas ones. He did one, uh, The Night That Santa Went Crazy. That's yep. a great one. Which yeah. is a good one. This is still considerably Oh, better. yes, absolutely. So what is your last one? All right. So my last one's kind of I, – I did it for two reasons. One, I really like the song. But two, it's it's kind of symbolic for me. I did Pancreas from Straight Outta Linwood. <laughs> I didn't even think of the symbolism until you, now you mentioned it. I'm like, this song, ah, there you, you went there. This song hits a diabetic like me right in the blood sugar. The song about the pancreas is about what the organ does for you. It's almost written as what I'd call in, in the form of a ditty almost. You know, um, it's a lot of fun. It's really a list about what the pancreas does and why Al is so in love with his. This one just makes me laugh. It's I heard it the first time by accident, actually, because I did not buy straight out of Linwood. Oh, I think, isn't that the one that actually got him... I think that has White and Nerdy on it. He got a Grammy with for that one, I think. I think or, he did. I mean, he went number one with uh, Mandatory Fun. Yep. But I think he actually got a Grammy for Straight Outta Linwood. But let's go ahead and take a listen to Pancreas. My pancreas is always there for me. Now, like I said, for a diabetic, if for a diabetic with a sense of humor, this is a great song. There, I'm sure there are some diabetics out there going, how the hell could he go and do this? And not? It's not funny. Yes, yes, it is. Lou? You know, I love this. It's a Beach Boys style song. It's kind of a style pastiche just like before. And it's got so many different. If you listen to any of the Beach Boys old catalog, you can actually kind of point like this part of the song is what this song is. This part is this one. And it just works. Now, Nick, Nicole, the wife, teaches anatomy and physiology, and I played this song for her, and she actually gave me a hard time. She's like, why did you play from this sooner? I would have played this for my class, because it is anatomically correct. He puts his research in and actually does the right pronunciation. He does the right, just, I mean, all of the anatomy is there, which yeah. is pretty damn impressive if you think about it. I mean, you and I talked, uh, Scott, you and I talked about this before, Living with a hernia, they yep. talked about the all the medical reasons on that one too, and he's on the numbers. Yep. He just he doesn't fudge things to make it work. He actually picks stuff straight out. And that goes to the the genius of the brilliance, the cleverness of the lyrics, writing the material. He's not just some schlock comedian throwing stuff out there. When once you really listen to it, and songs like this are a beautiful example of it there's real meat there. It's not just some poppy schlock that's here today and nobody remembers it next week. Yeah, and I mean, anybody that can work the, the phrase Isles of Islet into a song. The, yeah, the you know, insulin glucagon. Yeah. Coming through the islands I'm listening of to this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this stuff going, yep, I've heard that before. Yep, talked about that. Yep. <laughs> this is basically what my doctor told me four times over again. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, no, it is it is a great song. Um, it is definitely an underappreciated one. I think this is – I think – didn't he want to do one called Germs? Yes. That is another one that it was kind of like a Pearl Jammy, Nine Inch Nails-y yep. style Nine song. Nine Inch Nails, yeah. Yep. It's another one that's also anatomical, but this one I think he just nails it. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, so wrap us up, man. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with one of the most generic songs I can, and that's Generic Blues by – well, off the UHF soundtrack. We've done a lot off the UHF one, haven't we? UHF, awesome. Yeah, UHF, yeah. and we hit um, Running With Scissors pretty heavy, too. Uh, a couple from Even Worse as well. So, yep. yeah, there was a few from you. So, 
we, we just talked about the movies, so I'm not going to go about UHF again. Generic Blues is an L original that's kind of sung like the Chicago-style blues, you know, where something bad happens and this is how i got to deal with it. <laughs> you know, the songs were like R&B versions of country music. Bad things happen, and this is what's going to happen. So the song works well as a blues song, and he really sings about easily remedied issues. Like, I ain't got no money, I'm just walking down the road, and it ends up... I wish I could get me some money, but I, fo- I forgot my automated teller code. <laughs> it's like first world problems, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't be an Al song if there wasn't ridiculousness thrown in, so which is why we get got a funny kind of feeling, I got broken glass in my underwear, and I heard a wild prigs trying to chew off my head. Or, my brothers and sisters all hate me because I, I was an only child. Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clever. Um, the blue stuff does sound ridiculous, but it just works. Um, it's outlandish. We're going to listen to it and then hear what you guys have to say. Okay, again, you kind of alluded to that. It's the first world problems. It's stuff that you're going along your list. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can relate. And then he throws the twist. And it's like, okay, you just want to grab this guy and shake him and go, what is your problem? <laughs> now, didn't he do a song called First World Issues? I think he did. Um, he also or he did another one called Why Does This Always Happen to Me? Yep. Yes. Which is another one where it's like, I just saw that there was an earthquake, but it interrupted the Simpsons. Like, the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> because if it's... And, you know, other people have talked about this. If it's not in our backyard... We don't care. We don't care. Right. And Jeff Foxworthy did a bit with that. Yeah. Where he, he talks about how the interconnectedness of communication has actually desensitized us to some things. And he said he was watching this news report where it was, um, like... 500 people killed when bus goes over cliff. And he's like, oh my God. And then the newscaster says, in Pakistan. And my next thought was, how did they fit 500 people into the bus? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, yeah, this was bluesy. Very bluesy. Almost over the top bluesy. He pulls off the genre though. I mean, he does. If he made a good effort at this, not trying to be funny, he could probably do it. And yeah. But that's the same with almost every genre. He shows so much range in all of his material. He could, but would Weird Al be as famous as he is if he if had just, just or any any genre? If he'd stuck to one. Probably not. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, yeah, it's bluesy. Yeah, it's generic. It's funny. I really, I really kind of enjoyed this one. I had to listen to it a couple times to really get what was going on. Because this is another one that I had never heard before. Um, I obviously, as you can tell, I do not own the UHF soundtrack. We'll uh, fix that. <laughs> yep. But it's just one of those things that it's a great song, and you might not get it the first time through, you might not get it the second time through, but each time you listen to it, you catch a little bit more and you hear a little bit more. Kind of like the movie. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now, Lou, I know Chad threw it to you with "Let's wrap us up," mm-hmm. but. There's one song that I'm going to invoke my guest privilege, okay. being the special guest. There's one song that I got to talk about, but because all of our Weird Al fan listeners are probably going through this going, wait a minute, you didn't talk about this one. Okay. And we're going to be a, a little mean. We're not going to give you a clip 
of this one. Just go out and listen to it because you have to listen to this song. Okay. One more minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and is... we got together and we put together this list and we all came up with it. And then we started recording and we're like, none of us took one more minute. Which is very surprising. Because yeah. it is such an awesome song. Oh, it is. It's uh, the, what, like a 50s doo-wop? Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember which album this one is off of. We could easily look it up, but obviously none of us care enough to pull out our phones. <laughs> I don't have my phone on me today. Oh, yeah, but you're on call, and you might get a call, and that would screw everything up. Right. It's a great song. The video is just classic, because you see him doing, like, the, the main guy in the front on the old classic microphone, and then you got the three guys, like, snapping in the background in suits and such. It, it was perfect. It was perfect, like, uh, Buddy Holly style. Yeah, yeah, it was perfectly executed in, in that form. And the things that happen to this guy, you know, mm -hmm. the reason he doesn't want to spend one more minute with this girl. And it, it's funny because he starts singing it. It's very love songy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the Al twist. Yep. You know, and and that makes it worth it. As a song of its own, if you just look at the song and go one more minute, you know, and if he were to sing it as a straight song, it would just be another love ballad. Right. But this way, he puts his twist to it, and you're just like, that's amazing. And that is the worst person ever to have some of these things that are yeah. out there. It's off of Dare to be Stupid, actually. Okay. Which mm -hmm. is a, it's, it's a great album. I mean, he, yep. in the mid-'80s, he had some really, really good albums. Took a little bit of a breather because some of his stuff was all right, but then we kind of fired on all cylinders when he shaved his mustache. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was a fairly impressive mustache. It was probably taking a lot of his creativity. <laughs> It's like Samson and the hair type yep. thing. Yeah. So, but no, well, it was just like the first time I saw him when he got his hair cut for his wedding. And he didn't have the mustache and he didn't have the hair. And I'm like, and and the even though the, the glasses, articles. The glasses. The, thing is, the glasses is huge. And it even, the article that I was reading said, Weird Al gets married. And I'm like looking at the picture and I'm like, who's that guy? And then I'm reading the, the, <laughs> so the caption and I'm like, he cut off his hair. Is there another Weird Al? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the first time I was watching In the Army now when Polly Shore cut off all his hair for that movie. Yep. It was just like, oh! That movie's actually really good. It is. Yep. It's, it's, it's underrated as well. But let's go ahead. Let's jump into the uh, trivia. All right. So well, let's remind everybody what the trivia question is, and we'll see if either one of you got this right. Or both, maybe. I will answer first, so it'll go against my win-loss. That's fine. And then if I'm incorrect, then you can tell me what's right. Scott's the lifeline for you, apparently. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, so who gave Al the nickname Weird Al? I'm simply going to go with Dr. Demento. You would be wrong. Really? That's a shame, because that's what I was thinking, too. He gave it to himself. Really? When he was Is that a, legal? That you was can't a, give yourself your own nickname. <laughs> when he was a DJ working the overnight shift on his campus college radio station, he actually called himself Weird Al. So he gave okay. himself the own nickname. Well, it's the right place to do it, college radio. Screw you, Al. <laughs> Tell it to him to his face. <laughs> All right, so where does that put me, though? That puts you at 23 and 22. Okay. So you're still over 500. I'll take it. And that's what we got. All right. Yeah, we're not at the home studio today. Right, so I don't have all my material and everything with you, but we'll we'll definitely figure out what's going on. Well, thank you, Scott, for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for letting me join in. And as always, if you guys want to write in and let us know if you like this episode or hate this episode, if you want to give us some constructive criticism, don't be an asshole, but give us some you know nice constructive criticism. We will take that. You can do that in a few ways. First, you can find us through email at 
eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. You can also, for a while yet, use musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenge Podcast. And our third option is... Is the Twitter. And that's... You can just talk to us if you want to tell us you love us, you hate us. Send us a playlist, 10 songs, 10 artists. If you want to have a theme, great. If you don't, that's cool too. It's going to be at MC Podcast 17. So that is where we're at. We do post the new episodes out there. So you can check us out there or you can check on Facebook or go to Podbean. All right. And as always, thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you after the L concert. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.